It's that time again. It's ASGCA Insights, the official podcast of the American Society of Golf Course Architects. And now, from our studios in beautiful Brookfield, Wisconsin, it's your host, Mark Whitney. Welcome to ASGCA Insights. I'm Mark Whitney. My guest today is a past president of the American Society of Golf Course Architects, Jeff Brower. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Mark. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Jeff, we asked you here primarily to discuss a new book from ASGCA Foundation that you've been spearheading. Uh, It's called Designs on a Better Golf Course, Practical Answers to Common Questions for Green Committees. But before that, I'd like to talk a bit about your extensive background in the game. Uh, In fact, if we take it all the way back, uh, you learned about ASGCA at an early age while growing up in the Chicago area, didn't you? Uh, Yes, I did. I mean, I first played golf at age 12, and uh, my next-door neighbors were members of Medina Country Club, so I fell in love with it. I remember I brought their placemat home that had the golf course maps of those three courses on them and told my parents I was going to be a golf course architect. So as it happened, my dad was reading the business pages, and that was exactly when um, ASGCA moved their head offices to Chicago, brought in Paul Fulmer as the executive director, and he saw it in the Chicago Tribune. And so one day I come home and there's a, a stack of architecture materials from ASGCA and also National Golf Foundation that uh, I probably didn't do anything other than read those for, for a month. But uh, yeah, I decided early I was going to be a golf course architect. One of those things was a membership list to ASGCA, and I was somewhat surprised to find uh, Killian and Nugent was a firm, uh, member firm, uh, just down the street in the next suburb. Uh, Arranged to go see them again, age 12, bought my first sport jacket, so on and so forth. And then, you know, bugged them all the way through high school for a job. And they told me, well, I need to get a a degree in landscape architecture and then then come back then. And then I think they hired me almost out of pity at that point uh, (laughs) since I did everything they said. I also like to point out that one of the few things, uh, this is not my first book on golf course architecture. After I'd worked for them a few years, um, which started in 1977, uh, they accepted an offer from the National Golf Foundation to update their old classic book, Planning and Building the Golf Course. And they came back to the office, walked up to my desk and said, you know, start writing. So <laughs> um, this is my second foray into golf architecture books, and I think it's much better. I've learned a lot about writing uh, since then, uh, mostly through 14 years as golf course architecture editor of uh, golf course news, uh, which, you know, the, the word limits back, you know, have varied from 600 to 1200 over the years in the different formats. Uh, and I still had to edit those pieces down. A lot of those were the basis, but you know, the fit in our format here, we had to go down to three or 400 words. So I've certainly learned to be briefer. Well, let the, I, I need to go back here for a moment. I'm trying to picture a, a 12-year-old Jeff Brower uh, going and selecting your first ever sport coat. Uh, did you did you visit the office uh, with an appointment or without an appointment? Oh, no. I wrote a nice letter, uh, and they, they invited me in. The other interesting thing about that was the only other letter I got back from the dozen or so architects was Robert Trent Jones sent a beautiful letter back to a 12-year-old kid. Uh, you know, expressing uh, hope that I would continue to do well in golf course architecture and seek it out. 
Very neat. Very neat. Uh, you, you mentioned two uh, great names in, in, in uh, golf course architecture, Killian and Nugent. Uh, if you could just touch on, especially for folks like today who may not be as familiar with them or certainly may not have known them, uh, what do you recall most about the days that you spent with them? What's, what is still in the back of your mind from the conversations with them that, that still come forward when you meet with a client? Well, they were great, great technical guys. I mean, they had, like me, gotten their landscape architecture training at University of Illinois. Uh, and then to sort of supplement their knowledge, because neither, neither one of them was good golfers. I mean, they started working with uh, Jack Tuthill of the PGA Tour and then Jim Colbert, uh, which is a trend that I contribute uh, continued through my career, working with PGA Tour pros to sort of fill in the gaps of just how the best players play, because uh, believe me, Based on my game, I wouldn't have done that. I have great empathy for the average player. And time goes on, you know, with the senior player, too. Um, but anyway, I followed that. And I tell you, some of the design processes, including, you know, drawing plans, which uh, figuring out cuts and fills ahead of time, doing the drainage plans myself, and, and engineering it to be a, a, a good design solution. Uh, some of that seems to fall fallen out of favor. Some of the younger generation thinks you just go out there and, you know, start pushing some dirt around and it drawing plans limits your creativity. But uh, the old days we used to say it was easier to push a pencil than push the dirt and updated now to say it's easier to move a mouse than move the dirt. And the the evolution of golf course architecture does not stop, of course. Uh, there are have been improvements in all aspects, certainly of technology, that have changed the way the courses are designed, built, renovated, and maintained as well. Combine that with the, with the different types and skill levels of players that, that may not have been as prominent when you began your career. So how do you stay on top of all of this uh, ongoing evolution? Well, certainly one of the benefits of ASGCA membership is the continuing education that, that we have there. And uh, also uh, as a landscape architect, in fact, I'm doing some of that today, maintaining my license through going through, you know, some of the continuing education on the technical issues there. Uh, but you're right, you have to stay on top of it. Uh, and honestly, you know, you mentioned adding the back tees, uh, which has been an issue for, seems like forever to lengthen courses. I have been one of the bigger proponents of adding forward tees. And uh, I was quoted in the Wall Street Journal back in 2008 about the need to shorten courses. And of course, since then, we've had tee at forward uh, from the USGA and the PGA, and we've had the long leaf program for ASGCA. Uh, and anytime I do a master plan or renovation, I mean, right sizing those, or right lengthening, right sizing the golf course, I think is uh, first and foremost in my mind because. Yeah, as a senior, approaching senior status, I've moved up a tee or two. And, you know, golf is just a lot of fun when you can hit a lot of tees in re greens and regulation. So let's go back uh, 12, 15 years, or perhaps more, you can correct me. Uh, when you're having conversations with clients for the first time and, and really recommending this when it, you know, when it was not as, a, uh, as popular a decision uh, or as accepted a decision as it might be today, how did those first conversations go? And did you bring it up or did your clients at first? You know, golf is so traditional. And uh, while I had some experiences that got me to thinking, you know, more or less, you know, by the math on some of these issues, uh, the, the typical pattern was to sort of be rejected out of hand or dismissed maybe. Uh, 
but whenever we've been able to push the, you know, shortening the golf course uh, agenda, you know, after a few months or no, no more than a year, the players come back and they're, they're really enthusiastic. I remember when Damien Pascuzo and I uh, remodeled uh, La Costa several years ago, we implemented it. We got the tees down to 4,500 yards, and one of the female sports writers came to grand opening, said, you know, I could have reached 13 greens. My only question is, why didn't you do it for all 18? Uh, and so that actually pushed me forward. You know, we, just the forward tees, there have been a lot of examples in my life where the architects and the, and the managers of golf courses just don't consider you know, how women play the game. And of course, if you're going to encourage them as a new group of golfers in the industry, I think design is a, is a big part of that. My wife would say that stocking the pro shop with something more fashionable than female versions of male golf clothes would have something to do with that too. But that's another subject. That's another subject. There's, there's no doubt that all golf course architects are creative types. Uh, you referenced uh, the, uh, writing early, early in your career, uh, thanks to the uh, the uh, subtle nudge of of Killian and Nugent, uh, but you've continued that writing over the years. Uh, where does the passion come from for that, and uh, how is that how has that been a, a strong outlet for you on that creative side? Well, I've always enjoyed it, um, and I always had the idea, you know, back even with Killian and Nugent, you'd ask them, so what is strategic design? And they they never really could. Uh, provide an answer. When Cornish and Graves did their book, they quoted several of our members and other architects, and and they just were never really fully formed. And of course, over the years, I've bought all the old golden age books on architecture, which to me had some very stilted language that I think blocks current readers from really understanding what they were talking about. So uh, my father always told me, if you can't write it down, you, you probably don't understand it. He went on to say, and this is something I think made me the logical choice to write a book like this. Good ideas are intuitive and you should be able to explain them in two or three sentences. If it takes more, it's probably not a great idea. You know, Einstein said something similar. If you, if you can't explain to a child what your thoughts are, you probably don't understand them well enough. So I've always been on a mission to be able to clearly state what my design objectives are, why I'm doing a certain else. Uh, and I don't think it's, you know, rocket science in, in many ways. I mean, obviously putting it all together is very difficult and, and the golf architect is certainly the person to do that. But so many golf writings have been, you know, sort of like I'm the right hand of God and, and you know, nobody could possibly understand these concepts. Uh, when in reality, if you boil down, if you drill down, you know, there's a reason for everything in, in golf course design. Well, really almost anything. We're talking with golf course architect Jeff Brower. And Jeff, uh, you mentioned uh, the plethora of articles that you've written for, for publications over the years. We've also discussed some of the changing times. Uh, the, those two areas have come together in Designs on a Better Golf Course, Practical Answers to Common Questions for Green Committees. So if you take us back, I know this process has gone on for a year or more. Go back a year and a half or two years. Talk about the purpose of the book and really how it sort of came about. Well, I've always had it in the back of my mind that I'd like to get my thoughts out there on, on golf course design. And really, this book started at uh, the one of the golf shows, golf industry shows, I think in Orlando, or maybe two years ago. 
And I just mentioned to Chad, you know, if you're looking for a, a, a way to cover the topic, no one's ever just had a book of you know, questions and answers that the green committees, you know, typically ask. And he looked at me and says, well, that's a brilliant idea. Why didn't anyone ever think of that? And uh, that kind of got ASGCA started. Uh, and I volunteered to, you know, provide my writings. And then it took a little more to tweak them down to the format than I thought it might. But uh, uh, I, it was fun to do. Again, to really, again, consider my thoughts. And and uh, I'm, I'm, I was a little surprised at how many back and forth editings it took to get, you know, from what I wrote to, to you and Chad reviewing it, some of the other members had some great input. Uh, and then as we got it to the publishing part, all the editors and, and the there and the typesetters and everybody else, you know, kept refining it till hopefully it's uh, close to perfect. And you, you referenced Chad Ritterbush, the executive director of ASGCA. Uh, I know a number of a number of other ASGCA members lent their voice and thoughts, as you just referenced. Uh, I work with uh, Greg Muirhead, uh, John Sanford, and Nathan Crace were the three who took the most active role. Every time I'd write a chapter or two, I'd send them out to them, and and they would red mark it and send it back. I mean, just the little details, and we were. You know, trying to write it in a voice of 160 some members and trying to make sure any advice we gave was it was generally in the mainstream. Uh, obviously, it has to be somewhat generic because, as we stressed many times in the book, I mean, every situation is different. Uh, and you know, your golf course architect may come in and say, well, that doesn't apply here. Or occasionally they may come in and say, let's just try something different, you know, as a additive uh, to your golf course design and make it more attractive, something unusual or unique to your course. I mean, that's certainly a design consideration. But those guys were a lot of fun to work with. Uh, it was kind of gratifying to see if I wrote something uh, that they had kind of the same experiences. And actually, that's something in ASGCA that's always been part of my experience is you, you go to a guy like a Reese Jones or Pete Dye and you think, you know, sort of the mainstream, maybe regional architect, you know, they don't have the problems because they're famous and they have big budgets. And then you'd hear a Reese Jones say, well, I can only do double row irrigation on this course because I had a budget constraint. So you find out that you know, the, all the architects face the same kind of problems from time to time, no matter, you know, whether they're small or large. You've got a book that, that, uh, that taps out at about 135 pages. It covers 50 topics uh, and they're, they're covered over the, the course of 11 sections that you've broken down to everything from renovations, tees, greens, fairways and roughs hazard, even, even con construction. Uh, was this breakdown based uh, sort of on your experiences and dealing with, with greens committees and, and, and other decision makers of courses? Oh, absolutely. Uh, since we're coming up on a presidential election, I, I always remember George H.W. Bush kind of losing an election by saying he doesn't understand the vision thing. Of course, that's important if you're a president, but I never get vision questions, you know, of why did McKenzie do something or whatever from Greens committees or, or park directors? You know, the kind of questions I've gotten over 35 or 40 years is, you know, how big should Greens be? I mean, what goes into that? How big should T's be? Uh, is there a, a preferred fairway width? Uh, and, and those are the kind of questions you get. Again, not visionary, but very practical. Let's solve the problem I have in front of me type of questions. And so that experience you know, certainly did shape 
shape the book. Uh, we go on, I mean, there's other things, and what do we have to do for construction? Do we go design bid? Do we go design build? You know, what are the advantages or disadvantages? And we did reserve a few chapters for some of the big, bigger picture issues. Uh, early on, we covered just what is the value for design, of design. Um, and one of the things I like to say is, you know, if you're a moviegoer, you know, you can skip Alfred Hitchcock if you don't like those kind of movies. But if you're a golfer, you know, you're not going to skip the seventh hole. So it's important to get the design right, not only the big concepts of architecture, but the little details of implementation. And it's important to get it right on every single hole. Everything is designed, even no design is designed, but it's probably. So basically, when you want something to last the whole life cycle of 25 years, let's say for a green, and you don't want to rebuild it two years later because it's designed poorly, I mean, design is just really important. And that's sort of the underlying principle of, of this book is show you the importance of design and then basically how to work with your architect to get it right. And you've got charts and graphs included in here, maximum slope for green speeds, uh, the life cycle chart as well. Uh, just a, a, a great deal of, of information provided here uh, and and provided in easy to read sections. This is not a necessarily read it from page one to page last. Uh, you can jump in just about anywhere, can't you? Yeah, that was one of the things. Again, people have specific questions. So you can go to the index or you can go to the table of contents. And if you have questions, you're doing a green, you have questions about a green, the four or five most often asked questions about designing greens are all kind of grouped into one little chapter. So you don't have to read it all. I mean, I wouldn't complain if somebody came back to me and said, hey, I read the whole thing. It was great. And at 135 pages, uh, it shouldn't be a long read either. So I think a lot of people will read it front to back and then maybe go back to it when they have a specific need. So I'm going to take a moment here, Jeff, and I'm going to try and channel my inner Ed McMahon in his role during the Karnak the Magnificent sketches from the Johnny Carson show. But having looked at the table of contents in this book, every possible topic is covered in this book. Is that the case or is, or is there more that still needs to be discussed? I think we could uh, see a volume in, in routing uh, at some point, you know, obviously right now the, the focus in golf architecture is on renovation, but uh, I could see going back and uh, vastly updating and reformatting that 1980 version of planning and building the golf course. Um, maybe there's a need for technical stuff. Again, the, the immediate need right now is for some just good, solid, basic principles that apply to your renovation in the most cases, because that's the most amount of work that's going on now. Green committees are mentioned in the, in the subtitle of the book, uh, but this is clearly a, a publication that uh, extends to uh, a number of other job titles within a course, isn't it? Yes. And you know, the, most of the writing since I've, most of my work has been in, in public golf uh, is sort of aimed at the, at least the higher play courses and those could be private as well. There are some certainly busy country clubs. Uh, so we, we worried a little bit about the, you know, the title green committee guide, but it really does apply if you're a park director, a golf course superintendent, uh, you know, a, a club pro or a general manager. Again, anyone who's responsible for their golf course and, and knows there's some renovations that need to go on. Uh, there's probably some good information in there for you, even if you're, you know, a tiddly links uh, municipal golf course. 
And we should also add that designs on a better golf course can be ordered on Amazon. Uh, there's also information and a link that can be found on ASGCA.org under the news tab. Uh, Jeff, I want to thank you. My guest has been ASGCA past president, Jeff Brower. I appreciate your joining us. Well, it's my pleasure. Uh, let's uh, hope everyone gets a copy in their hand and like it's really meant to just make golf better from an architectural perspective. And that that's what we all want to do at ASGCA. That concludes this episode of ASGCA Insights. I'm Mark Whitney. You can find past episodes of this podcast and more information about golf course architecture at ASGCA.org or download insights from Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Thank you for listening, and until next time, so long.